0: And so we see clearly that when a person or people turn things into a battle of wills against the Lord, if they persist in their sin, God will then cast a person away and give him up to his own sin. He will make an example of them. It's a big problem when people knowingly defy the Lord time and time again. When there is such a defiance, God gives people over to their sin. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. As part of today's message, we will be seeing what brings about the anger of the Lord. In today's Christian culture, most do not want to believe that God does get angry. Most want to believe that God is such a loving God that He will never get upset or feel anger, and that He will just forgive everything, no matter what people do or believe independent of their decisions and utter disregard for him and his word. but That is clearly not what the Bible teaches. Everything bears consequences, especially if his grace is abused. Today's message is inspired on 2 Samuel, chapter 24. Let us pray to the Lord together. Heavenly Father, Holy God, hallowed and glorified be your name. Your kingdom come, O Lord. Your name may be glorified above all things. Heavenly Father, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. For you and you alone are Lord and God. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, O Lord, that you always please remember us in your mercy. Please remember, O Lord, our fallen state, Lord God, that even though we believe in you and we have We may have given our lives to you, Lord. We're still sinners, Lord. We're still so imperfect, Lord God. Please have mercy on us. But I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, that you help us not to take your grace for granted. Help us, O Lord, not to abuse the good that you want to shed on us. The love, Lord God, that you give so much to us. Heavenly Father, help us, O Lord, to be able to treasure, to respect you, Lord God. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever, O Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We'll be reading today from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 24. This is the word of the Lord. Again the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, Go, number Israel and Judah. So the king said to Joab the commander of the army who was with him, Now go throughout all the tribes of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, and count the people, that I may know the number of the people. And Joab said to the king, Now may the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times more than there are, and may the eyes of my lord and king see it. But why does my lord, the king, desire this thing? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab and against the captains of the army. Therefore Joab and the captains of the army went out from the presence of the king to count the people of Israel. And they crossed over the Jordan and camped in Eror, on the right side of the town which is in the midst of the ravine of God, and toward Jezer. Then they came to Gilead and to the land of Tathim, Hadshi. They came to Danjan, around to Sidon. And they came to the stronghold of Tyre and to all the cities of the Hivites and the Canaanites. Then they went out to South Judah as far as Beersheba. So when they had gone through all the land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and 20 days. Then Joab gave the sum of the number of the people to the king. And there were in Israel 800,000 valiant men who drew the sword. And the men of Judah were 500,000 men. And David's heart condemned him after he had numbered the people. So David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now I pray, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. Now when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David. Thus says the Lord, I offer you three things. Choose one of them for yourself, that I may do it to you. So Gad came to David and told him, and he said to him, Shall seven years of famine come to you in your land? Or shall you flee three months before your enemies while they pursue you? Or shall there be three days plague in your land? Now consider and see what answer I should take back to him who sent me. And David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Please let us fall into the hand of the Lord for his mercies are great. But do not let me fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel from the morning till the appointed time. From Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 men of the people died. And when the angel stretched out his hand over Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the destruction and said to the angel who was destroying the people, It is enough. Now restrain your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Arona, the Jebusite. Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, Surely I have sinned and I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, be against me and against my father's house. And Gad came that day to David and said to him, Go up, erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arona the Jebusite. So David, according to the word of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. Now Arona looked and saw the king and his servants coming toward him. So Arona went out and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Then Arona said, why has my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar to the lord, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. Now Arona said to David, Let my lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look here are oxen for burnt sacrifice, and threshing implements, and the yokes of the oxen for wood. All these, O king, Orona has given to the king. And Orona said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. Then the king said to Arona, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers for the land and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. One of the things that we should always consider is that although God is love, that he can also get angry. Not many people want to hear that, but it's a reality that we need to take into account. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. What does that mean? Fearing the Lord means to keep things in mind that he doesn't like and staying away from doing them because we understand that there could be dire consequences. Fearing the Lord doesn't mean that you have to be terrified of him to the point that you want to stay away from him. It means that there is a deep respect and reverence for him and that you look to please him rather than push your limits and or sin against him. It is actually a healthy thing to have respect, especially for the Lord. It's like fire. Fire is one of the most noble things known to mankind. Fire is useful and vital to the survival of man. But we shouldn't play with fire. We shouldn't use fire inappropriately. Fire is a part of everyday life. But if mishandled and or played with, it can also end your life and hurt even others or kill others around you. Now, what are the things that can bring about the Lord's anger? In this passage, we see something peculiar in that it says that God had a problem with Israel and that he moved King David against them, and that he somehow made David do something wrong that would bring about his wrath. So sometimes bad or wrong decisions are made not necessarily because the leadership is wrong within themselves, but because a large group of people under that leadership are doing evil before the sight of God. In other words, the leadership sometimes sins against the Lord because of the sin of the people. And even more exactly, God's anger is kindled against those people that know the truth but choose to rebel for an extended period of time. This is what causes God's anger to come. God has mercy on ignorance when a person or people don't know the wrong they're doing. But when people know what is right and refuse to do it and they refuse to do what is right for an extended period of time, that's when God's anger may occur. There are no coincidences or certain things happening just because. Something triggers God's anger. This is how the Bible explains it. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given from him Much will be required, and to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. We can look at the Bible, obviously, for examples where God allowed for things to happen that can be destructive. The thing that we can see in today's key passage is that God allowed for a plague to be the manifestation of his anger through the hand of an angel. God uses different things, but this is one way that he uses so that we can understand that he is upset. And so there were other instances where God sent plagues when people rebelled against God. For example, Pharaoh was a person that knew that God was talking to him and telling him clearly through Moses to let his people go, but he refused to do it. Keep in mind that Israel had been in slavery for about 400 years in Egypt. And so we can easily tell that God's anger wasn't something that came easy. There was much patience and waiting for Egypt to turn from their evil ways. But as we can read, Pharaoh willfully rebelled against the Lord, and the Lord sent various plagues to him to help understand that he needed to yield to his will. Something interesting happened in Pharaoh, though, which shows what happens when a person consistently rebels over and over against the Lord. God has limits, and if a person or people persist long enough in their sin against the Lord, they can reach and surpass his limits. In the first plague, for instance, when God turned the waters of the river into blood, we read that Pharaoh hardened his heart. In the second plague with the frogs, the Bible says, But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and did not heed them as the Lord had said. After the third plague, even Pharaoh's magicians were giving in when it says, then the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard and he did not heed them just as the Lord had said. And Pharaoh continued hardening his heart until the sixth plague came. Something happened after the sixth time that changed dramatically. During the first six plagues, the Bible tells us that Pharaoh hardened his heart and refused to let the people go. But after the sixth plague came, the Bible tells us this, but the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh and he did not heed them just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. The great detail we can see here is that Pharaoh was not the one hardening his heart anymore. It was the Lord that was hardening his heart. And we see this in the subsequent plagues. God had had enough of Pharaoh. He wore out his mercy and grace. And so we see clearly that when a person or people turn things into a battle of wills against the Lord, if they persist in their sin, God will then cast a person away and give him up to his own sin. He will make an example of them. It's a big problem when people knowingly defy the Lord time and time again. When there is such a defiance, God gives people over to their sin. He is the one that pushes them into a place where they can no longer turn away from their evil. We see this in the New Testament because some may say that this is Old Testament stuff. And we have to look at this because many believers think that certain things only apply to things that happened before Christ came and that we are now living during the dispensation of God's grace. There are many things that carried over, especially as part of the dispensation of God's grace. God will never tolerate rebellion, especially now when he has given so much through his son, Jesus Christ. Rebellion is actually less tolerated now. Romans chapter 1 says this, for instance, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. So that they are without excuse because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts and to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchange the truth of God for the lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever amen so you see god gives people up to their own devices when they don't acknowledge him when they knowingly turn away from him after a person refuses to accept the truth Time and time again, when they refuse to obey the Lord, God will then give them up to other things and in such a way that they can no longer turn away from their sin. They will continue falling into decadence until they are destroyed. This is, for instance, what the Bible says also regarding willful sinning or rebellion against the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says, For if we sin willfully, After we've received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fire indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy in the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment, do you suppose, will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. We don't know exactly what sin in particular God was addressing in the original text we read at the beginning. But one thing we do know, and that is that his patience was exhausted. There is no forcing God's hand away from things. And there will always be consequences for rebelling against the Lord. Psalm 145 says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are are over all his works. But again, God doesn't just punish at the very first sign of someone rebelling against him. He is slow to anger and great in mercy. He waits and waits and waits. And while he is waiting, he sends warnings time and time again through his word, through those that serve him in one way or another. He calls people to repent, to change, to turn away from their sin. But we need to understand that just because he is slow to anger and great in mercy, that it doesn't mean that his anger never comes. If he is pushed and that mercy is unlimited, there is such a thing as quitting while you're ahead. I will share with you something personal from my own stupider, younger years, if you will. I have to confess that I have always loved speed, especially in cars. I'm ashamed to say it now, but when I was younger and more foolish, I used to drag race a little here and there in the street with other people that were just as dumb as I was. And I was getting bolder with time because I was getting more and more used to it. I remember one evening driving home from work on the highway that I saw a very bad car accident and that it appeared that the driver in one of the cars was killed or at least severely injured. And it looked like they were drag racing because of the type of cars that were involved with the accident and how the accident looked. There were many police cars and ambulances all around them. And I remember seeing one of the cars, the one that was in worse condition, that it looked like mine. And I heard a voice inside of me telling me this. If you keep going the way you are, that will be you one day. And that sent a cold chill down my back. And I told myself, I think my street racing days are over. The message was clear that if I persisted in the wrong I was doing, that God's divine protection over me would be lifted. I was asking for trouble, knowing full well that what I was doing was wrong. But praise be to the Lord that I had enough fear for the Lord to pay attention to his voice because that was him talking to me. And I reasoned within myself that I had to quit while I was ahead. God had had much mercy on me while I was being extremely foolish and and I didn't want that to go away. I wanted to have God's mercy in my life. This experience among others helped me understand that God many times, quite actually, works harder to help us avoid all of the consequences that should happen to us because of our own foolishness rather than allowing to get what we rightfully deserve, the full weight of our consequences. Now, there are two issues within this that we need to understand, and that is regarding who it involves and what they're doing. The first involves those people that know who God is and that they need to come to Christ for salvation, but refuse to acknowledge the Lord. When a person or people knowingly reject the Lord's calling time and time again, That's when God will allow for them to follow down the path to their own eternal self-destruction. He will give them up to the sin they pursue and will allow for them to sink even lower because of their blatant disregard and rebellion against him. Only he knows and decides when enough is enough. That's why the time of salvation is always now with the Lord. It's not something that a person should put off or least of all ignore and or knowingly refuse and reject the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He is loving and caring and he wants for all to come to the knowledge of salvation. For it says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so it is God's will to save all of mankind without exceptions, but he is not going to force anyone to be with him if they don't want to. And with that, He will allow for those that constantly reject him to get just what they want, to go to a place far away from him and for all eternity. And again, only God knows when the limit of rejection is crossed. The second thing is when those that have professed to have faith in Christ refuse to obey the Lord and to choose to go back and or remain in their sin, thereby rebelling against God's constant call to repentance. The practice of sin or willful sinning is also rebellion against the Lord and there is a limit to that also. The Bible says this, for instance, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I have told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it also says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And so, in both of these passages, the Lord is talking to believers, to those that have made a decision for him, but have fallen into the practice or lifestyle of sin. And this is a problem. We're all sinners, and we will not be perfect while here on earth. But that doesn't mean that we have a license to sin and to continue persisting in those things that keep someone from inheriting the kingdom of God. A lifestyle of sin can cause for a child of God not to inherit the kingdom of God if they continue to rebel against the Lord. The Bible is very clear in that grace should not be abused for it also says in Romans chapter six the following, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. So it is very clear that we cannot take advantage or abuse God's grace. I think this should be very straightforward to understand. So ultimately, what does God want? How do we stay away from his anger? We just need to obey his word, starting by acknowledging and accepting Jesus as the Lord of our lives and submitting to that lordship. First Samuel chapter 15 puts it very clearly where it says, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stumberness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. This was another example of disobedience and a rebellion. King Saul. Saul did not obey God. He didn't do as God told him to do. And because of that, he exhausted God's mercy and the kingdom was taken away from him. Saul didn't fear the Lord and he paid for it dearly. He pushed God's limits and he ended not well because of that. Nothing good happens when a person or people Constantly reject the Lord and refuse to do what is right before him. Rebellion against the Lord carries deep and dire consequences. And when a large group of people defy the Lord, their sin comes upon them and it also affects those around them. The righteous and the wicked sometimes suffer the consequences of the collective group's wrongs altogether. Even though God had incited David to sin because of the sin of the people of Israel, David was greatly troubled for what was happening. And so rebellion hurts everyone because nothing in this world happens in a vacuum. All of our lives are interdependent and influence each other. So when a person or people defy the Lord, everyone loses, at least here and now. It is in our best interest to fear the Lord and to do what is pleasing to him, at least within the circle of our responsibility. There is one thing that is certain, and that is that we will all give an account before the Lord for our own actions. God will not ask us about what other people did. He will only be interested on judgment day about what you and I did. And if we want to stand justified before Almighty God through Jesus Christ, we need to do the Father's will. It is not about faith alone, but rather true faith in Christ must yield doing the Father's will. We cannot be idle before the Lord, and we certainly cannot be defying or rebelling against Him. The word is very clear in this where it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. This is a certain An irrefutable thing before the Lord, that if we are not doing the Father's will, then we are practicing lawlessness. We are doing what is wrong before the Lord. There is no such thing as neutrality when it comes to doing or not doing His will. We need to be actively looking to do His will in order to be doing what is right and justifiable before His eyes. True faith in Christ yields production, and that is good works. The fruit of the Spirit enables us to do those things that perpetuate life, that in turn counts towards eternity. Everything we do for the Lord counts towards eternity, towards the future. That's why he said, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If we rebel against the Lord, we're only hurting ourselves here and now and worse, hurting ourselves in the future. But if we love the Lord and we look to please Him by doing His will, we will completely avoid His anger and through the work of the Holy Spirit bring about His blessing and the eternal life that only He can provide. And when we sin, the best offering we can ever give the Lord is true repentance and conversion by turning away from those things that are wrong and learning to do what is right out of love for Him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, blessed are you, O Lord, because you are truly gracious and merciful and good to us, Lord God. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, O Lord God, that you help us to value what you have done for us. Help us, O Lord, to value your grace and your love, not to take it for granted, and not to abuse it, Lord God. Help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, that we may be able to yield to you, to surrender to you, and to just do what you tell us to do. Heavenly Father, it's it's very simple. The concept is very simple. It's just doing what we're told to do. Heavenly Father, help us in that learning, that we may learn how to love you and to appreciate the things that you've done for us. And help us to learn how to love our neighbor. Heavenly Father, please forgive us for our rebellions, for a constant sinning before you. We pray for your mercy and for your continued grace. And we pray that you help us to be mindful of the wrongs that we do and to turn away from them to follow you. I praise you and I worship you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's word together. If you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and his truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.